the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm here to teach you how to win. Winning isn't a sometime thing. Winning is an all-time thing. We don't win once in a while. We don't do the right thing once in a while. We do the right thing all of the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. Hey, that's good. That's Vince Lombardi. Welcome to the main event. Yes, winning isn't a a sometime thing. It's an all-time thing. We're going to talk about winning today. We're going to talk about winning in this country and all kinds of stuff going on. And I've got a lot to to talk about and a little time to do it, so I'm going to get right into it. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, and by the end of the month, West Covina. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, and rates are great right now. If you didn't, if you didn't jump on the uh, jump on the refi train, or if you hadn't had the opportunity to get into a house yet, uh, don't delay. And call me at toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One more time, day or night, toll free eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone. Go to edhoffman.net, click on apply now, fill in as much information as you want to give me and let me know how much information, what information you need. You'll hear back from myself or one of my teammates, Randy Sampius, uh, Matt Bradbury, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we'll fill you in on everything you want, want, to, uh, want to know about your real estate financing puzzle. If you uh, want, if you hear any part of the show you want replayed, uh, you can go to edhoffman.net, uh, play, uh, uh, click on listen to the main event. You can hear this show as well as past four shows, or go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman, and you'll see the main event as well. This show and four past shows, and you can subscribe for free. Have it download to your to your iPhone, your iPod, your iPad, your iWatch, your eyeballs, your computer, or any other device that you can get a uh, get a uh, iTunes on. I guess you don't need to have an I in front of it because I guess you can get on anything now. Um, you can get that, get that downloaded and you can, you can listen anytime you want day or night. Don't have to wait for what time I'm on the radio. If you want to follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, and you can uh, like the show show on Facebook, uh, go to the Facebook search, the main event 590 to find the show page. You can also read my weekly columns on iebusinessdaily.com. That's IE like Inland Empire, uh, businessdaily.com. Click on the opinion tab. You'll see my full list of comments. Uh, 
uh, columns. This week's column is on the importance of following the primaries and not just waiting until there's a nominee to start following the election. You need to know what's going on in this country. And uh, gummit, this is my job to make sure that you uh, that you know if you don't already take it. If you're paying more attention to the Super Bowl instead of, hey, you know, now it's been a week out since the Super Bowl. Who won? I don't remember. Think about that. Think about that. So anyway, uh, lots to talk about. And in the uh, in the studio with me once again, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands. Not one of the number one 100, top 100 bike shops in the country, but you got two of them. How does that work? Well, they're all considered one. You know what I mean? Okay. So like the two the top 100 together. bike selling businesses. <laughs> Welcome back, Scotty. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be kicking it in the house with you once again. So we had, uh, we have, uh, we have a lot to go over. Oh my God! In the, in the past week, we had uh, like two two uh, Democrat debates and one Republican debate and a and a uh, election. I thought the Republican debate was probably the most fair debate I've seen, other than uh, other than Carly not being uh, being uh, shut out of it, and now she's out of the race. Well, when you said fair, I know you and I text back and forth a little bit. You thought this. You thought the the moderators were fairly fair, fairly I unbiased. Probably the probably the best of all the debates so far. All right. Well, I, I did smell a little bit of bias, particularly with some of those questions that were kind of like, "Well, he said this. What do you say about that?" And it's kind of a little bit of baiting going on there, trying think, to get the candidates to fight it out a little I bit. I think that's. Uh, but I think that's what they're supposed to do. It's called a debate. Well, yeah, sure. And, but I will say, you know, the question begs, okay, what about media bias? You know, are these people biased? Is the media heavily biased against us, against the Republican Party? I did come across an article I want to go over real quick because I think this illustrates, is the media biased? And if so, why? In other words, is the media in bed with literally the Democrat Party? Uh, and the answer is yes, literally. Uh, I'll give you a couple quick examples. Uh, ABC News executive producer Ian Cameron is married to Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice. CBS President David Rhodes is the brother of Ben Rhodes, who's Obama's deputy national security advisor for strategic communications. ABC News correspondent Claire Shipman is married to former White House press secretary Jay Carney, who I call Doogie Hauser. Uh, ABC News and Univision reporter Matthew Jaffe is married to Kate Hogan, Obama's deputy press secretary. ABC President Ben Sherwood is the brother of Obama's special advisor, Elizabeth Sherwood. CNN President Virginia Mosley is married to former Hillary Clinton deputy secretary Tom Nides. Uh, yeah, is there some bias going on here? I think uh, I think that's interesting. I had not heard that before. Maybe that was by design. Maybe uh, Obama knew that once he got elected that all he had to do to keep the media protecting him was put some put some wives and husbands in his cabinet. Seems a little incestuous to me, Ed. I don't know. It's uh it would seem like seems like the Democrats are pointing fingers and some of the Republicans are pointing fingers at Donald Trump for making smart business moves uh when well, in in relation to his business and uh you know can you say hypocrite can you say conflict of interest <clears throat> i can that Good. says nothing about what happened and why the why the economy went down when uh barney frank head of the financial uh, house financial services committee was sleeping with one of the top guys at fannie mae uh in a openly gay relationship uh back when they approved the subprime stuff and uh now uh, hillary clinton is is touting barney frank as her as her expert who's saying her ta- her her economic plan is the best and i just said you're the guy who who has the most influence on why the economy globally melted down and you're using him as proof that your plan is good? 
Yeah, I don't want to picture Barney Frank having sex with anybody. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's just can a... you say conflict of interest? Yeah. If he was a Republican, there'd be there would have been a big uproar. But since he's a Democrat, they can get away with it. It didn't get to didn't get to very much of the of the press. Uh, although it, it it was buried on some back pages of newspapers and a lot on the internet. But uh, apparently nobody wants to talk about it. So uh, New Hampshire primary on Tuesday, that was uh, interesting results. Uh, Trump won the Republican primary with 35.3% of the vote. Ohio Governor John Kasich, who I think is a Democrat, uh, maybe that's why they like him in New Hampshire, uh, came in second with less than half, 15.8. And, uh, and then, of course, the also-rans, uh, the guy who thought he was anointed in Iowa, uh, Cruz came in third and, uh, fourth was, uh, Jeb, Jeb, you know, Jeb, um, can't even believe he got on the scoreboard. <laughs> I know. Well, the funny thing about Jeb, you know, it's getting bad when you're wheeling out your 90 plus something mother, you know, to, to campaign for you. <clears throat> I mean, if there was anything that was going to give that campaign a breath, a breath of fresh air, bring out your 90 year old mom. Well, I'm glad that she can go back to her daytime job, which is actually being a model for the Quaker Oats uh, boxes. So <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that was mean, wasn't it? That Ed? was mean. I know, but it was funny. I know, but that's a guy on there. <laughs> it is. I thought that was Barbara Bush. Uh, <laughs> Just because got the same color hair. So, uh, you know, Trump Trump came out and acted like he was. You no, know, I thought Trump made a speech. Cruz made a speech. Rubio made a speech. Everybody made speeches that sound like they were accepting Academy <laughs> Awards, including uh, including uh, uh, Hillary. But uh, let's hear, hear Trump accepting his Academy Award. So I want to thank everybody, but I really have to begin by paying homage to my parents, Mary and Fred. They're up there, they're looking down, they're saying, this is something very special. They love this country and they're very, very happy right now. So thank you to my parents. I want to thank my sister, Judge Barry, Marianne, really great sister, another great sister, Elizabeth, my fantastic brother, Robert, who's watching right now with Anne-Marie. And I want to thank my brother, my late brother, Fred. What a fantastic guy. I learned so much from Fred. Taught me more than just about anybody. Just probably about even with my father. A fantastic guy. Can you say boring? That was pretty dull. I would have, I would have gone up there and said, Hey, New Hampshire, thank you. And thank you for all my... All my uh, people that helped out, and you know that we got one down, one two down, forty eight to go. We're this we're gonna we're not gonna stop the momentum. Blah blah blah. I wouldn't have. You didn't you didn't didn't get an Academy Award. No. Uh, by the way, that judge sister of his was a Clinton appointee too. By the way, and but he said this Bar- is a judge. Barry Marion, Judge Barry Marion. Is it Marion Barry, the, the, the crack-smoking uh, mayor of Washington, D.C.? I think so. I don't think they're related, though. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't look very – they don't look the same. They don't look like brother and sister. No. But, uh, yep, uh, and then, then uh, the, loser, the loser that night was the Wonder Boy from uh, – if you remember the week before in Iowa, Marco Rubio brought in a tight third right behind Trump. And everybody thought he was the Wonder Boy. He was expected to do well in New Hampshire, but he came in fifth. I uh, only had a ten point six percent of the vote. Some are saying that's thanks to Chris Christie, uh, who ended up ended up dropping out this week, along with uh, Carly Fiorina. So, and uh, which is makes me really sad. Sorry, and, uh, and uh, but Chris Christie ended ended 
ended pretty much ended uh, Rubio's chances at New Hampshire anyway on uh, uh, on the way he he talked to Rubio at the at the debate the few days before. Uh, I think it was Saturday, Saturday before. So last last week, one week ago, let's play that little clip. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I would add this. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not there true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is. The memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the... I think he said... I think he said... Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing and knows exactly what he's doing. I think he said it like four times in that clip. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, Christie did definitely he had take... a scratch in the record. It was skipping. <laughs> it was like a rapper. Um, it did it did take the wind out of out of Rubio sales for sure. And of course it uh, you know, didn't help Christie at all cuz Christie's done. Yeah, but that was a, that was a sacrifice slide into home. Yeah, that was. No, a sacrifice slide into second base. Second base, so the runners could score. Right. Well, you know, and, and look, Rubio again is is he's a talented guy. Um, does he repeat himself? I know that's been your biggest complaint with Marco Rubio is that he sounds kind of too scripted. Yeah, I didn't want to have to say I told you so. Okay. Um, my biggest issues mainly, and I hate to say it, but it's the immigration bill that he tried to force. That actually did get passed through the Senate, didn't make it through the House. That bill would have been an absolute catastrophic disaster had it have cleared. Um, so we can only thank our lucky stars that it didn't, but it does certainly bring into question his judgment on the issue of immigration. Uh, and I think that's really her Rubio. I, I, you know, that's, that's his biggest downfall in this, in this uh, election is, uh, is his stance on that issue. Which, yeah. But yeah, but he, if I, if I quote my friend, Scott McAfee, yes. uh, he's great looking. His yes. wife is great looking. Yes. His family's great looking. Absolutely. He speaks Spanish. Yep. He's wonderful. He is wonderful except for that main big fat issue. Uh, and so the, that's why. You and know. the fact he's a child still. Uh, he just looks like he's fifteen. Yeah, but he's he's still a child. Okay, fine. He, he make. I agree. You know, I thought I I thought it was me that made it up, but apparently everybody's saying he'll make a great president someday. Uh, I think eight years, eight more years, his his kids will his oldest kid will be twenty. You get her there that fast. I think it's the the girls are the are they twins? Uh, I don't know if they're twins. I don't think they are. No, they're different ages. But at least the older girl will be twenty, so he will have gotten through uh well what i like to call in my in my uh, house when uh when my daughter was was there and uh you know when they turn about 11 and they turn and i tell everybody when you have when you have uh daughters from 11 till about 20 21 with uh, my daughter casey it was like till about 25 um you know you just it's it's called hell and uh <laughs> I don't want to wish that on anybody, but you know, uh, God, God decides who gets boys and who gets girls. So, uh, you know, it's so easy when you have boys, when you're a dad, cause you can just grab them by the collar and stick your fist in their face and say, you want this? And, uh, they understand that you can't do that to girls. And, uh, so it's hard to, uh, but you know what, uh, by uh, eight years from now, Rubio's daughter will be 20. He'll be pretty much, uh, schooled in, in the ways of life. Well, okay. Uh, hopefully, he'll uh, change his. Well, you, uh, have, you have adult kids, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I have you four disagree? actually. No, I have two. I'm laughing because I have two daughters in that age bracket right now. I have a 12 year old and a 16 year old. How's how's uh? How's it's not at the house? boring. Let me put it to you that way. <laughs> it's not I boring. Thought it, I thought it was just our house. No, maybe not. No. So Rubio's speech on primary night, he uh, he appeared to beat himself up pretty badly after uh, after he took that fifth place. I let's play a piece of that. I know many people disappointed. I'm disappointed with tonight. I want you to understand. But I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. Our disappointment tonight is not on you. It's on me. It's on me. 
I did not, I did not do well on Saturday night. So listen to this. That will never happen again. Yeah, I think that was unnecessary. He should have just, he should have just said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, it was a great night for everybody. We're really tight with the other guys. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have." I wouldn't have beat myself up like that. Right. Well, of course, it's it's goes without saying it'll never happen again because Chris Christie will never be on the stage again. Well, now everybody's watching to see if he's can, though, because now finally, I guess apparently there's some people in this country that don't listen to my show when I've been pointing it out. But uh, so we'll see. We'll see if it happens again. Yep. So on Democrat side, Bernie Sanders beat the hell out of uh, out of uh, uh, Hillary, 60 percent to 38 and uh, so South Carolina, and so now South Carolina's a week away. Both Democrats are courting the African-American vote to an embarrassing degree. Uh, Megan Kelly said Sanders is doing this because he's far behind Hillary when it comes to the black vote. Play a clip. Sanders doesn't have the support of African-Americans at all, according to the polls. Let's put him on the board. And Hillary does. And if Sanders doesn't start picking up some support in the African-American community, he can stick a fork in him. He's done. Look at that. 74% in South Carolina are with Hillary and just 17% are with Bernie. I mean, the, the race is, into, I mean, like you cannot win as a Democratic nominee, Richard, if you don't have the support of African-Americans. No, you just can't win without the without the African-American support. So, uh, so he went to Harlem and uh, got a photo op with Al Sharpton. At a, at a restaurant in Harlem Thursday. Uh, listen to what Megan, Megan Kelly had Kevin Jackson on there, conservative black radio uh, talk show host from called The Black Sphere. He had, this is what he had to say about uh, Bernie's plan to, with the photo op with uh, Al Sharpton. It's insulting that this man would go to talk to Al Sharpton as if Al Sharpton is a purveyor of black thought and the black vote. It's insulting. And as I was about to say, he might as well have brought a representative from Kentucky Fried Chicken and said, let let the bidding begin. (laughs) I love that. That is pretty funny. And by the way, who did make Al Sharpton in charge of all black people? Ed, Um, I think I think Jesse Jackson did. Okay, all right. I mean, it must be tough for black voters looking at this situation and think, gosh, which old white cracker do I want? You know, Uh, and I mean, and, and the idea of Al Sharpton being in charge of like all black voters, I mean, to be like you and I proclaiming we're king of the crackers, Ed. We are, aren't we? Well, yeah, I guess we are. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We, Hey, all our loyal subjects, listen and learn, (laughs) listen and learn. So, uh, Hillary Clinton, Clinton said some polls say that she leads Bernie by as much as 60% among black voters. Uh, but some black voices are saying not so fast, Hillary. So the nation writer, Michelle, Michelle Alexander who writes for The Nation, wrote uh, this week, Hillary loves black people and black people love Hillary, or so it seems. Black pastors are opening their church doors and the Clintons are making themselves comfortably at home once again, engaging engaging effortlessly. You mean to get that word out for you? Yeah, effortless. Engaging? Effortlessly. And all the usual rituals associated with courting the black vote, a pursuit that typically begins and ends with Democratic politicians making black people feel liked and taken seriously. Doing something concrete to improve the conditions under which most black people live is generally not required. It seems that we, the black people, are the her winning card, one that Hillary is eager to play, and it seems we're eager to get played again. Yeah. Comments? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is so... What what can you say about Hillary? It's all forced. It's all phony. Uh, it's it's a joke. Yeah, here she is playing uh, uh playing uh her black voters speech Tuesday night. Somehow she's managed to both insult and praise cops in the same speech. 
African-American parents shouldn't have to worry that their children will be harassed, humiliated, even shot because of the color of their skin. That's what called me to a life of service, just like millions of teachers and nurses and police officers and firefighters and members of our armed services who get up every day and do the quiet work, the heroic work for all the rest of us. What is she? Is she talking about doing the quiet work of shooting black people? I don't. That's what cops do, isn't it? Well, according to her, I mean, on the one hand, they're killing blacks for because of their color of the skin. We're talking about they cops. They harass them and pull them over. But on the same speech, it's great that they get up in the morning and do that. Exactly. It's a it's a wonder. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. You know what? I, I clipped a couple of things she said in. Uh, I didn't. I we're not playing them today, but she. She had that one clip that she says, don't get uh, lured into thinking that uh, corporations create jobs. Mm-hmm. And then in the uh, in the debate last week or the week before, she said, she said, most people get jobs working for small businesses. Really? That sounds going, like a bit of a contradiction to me. Exactly. I think, you know what? Is this the same person? Well, it's got to be great looking at the Democrat field because you have your choice of either like an old socialist or an old felon. Uh and the funny thing is, also, she referred to her FBI investigation as a security review. Uh, yeah, security review. Yeah. They got 150 FBI agents working on it. On a security review. Yeah. I, I th- thought it was a federal criminal investigation. I think, uh, I predict, mm. I predict that there's no way the Democrats are going to nominate Bernie Sanders. Right. And there's no way that she's going to make it to November as being the the nominee. Okay, so who think, who will be then? You think Biden's going to jump in and they're going to send him out? There I don't know. How, I don't know how they can put Biden in. I thought he had to have be registered in all these different states by like November. Well, that's that's a good point. Uh, of course, they can always change the rules, right? Because that's what Democrats do. Um, it, it certainly is interesting because my prediction is that the federal the, the FBI is going to recommend going after this lady. Uh, now, will the Justice Department do it? No, but they don't have to. The fact that the FBI is saying, look, we've got criminal wrongdoing here should be enough to take this lady down. I know you and I talked about this months ago. This scandal is wonderful. It keeps unfolding and enveloping and getting bigger and better. And now there's like 30 people on her staff that are being involved in this that they've got all these classified emails yeah myth mrs wiener mrs wiener uma abedin yep uma yeah. abba wiener yeah she's working for the state department and the clinton foundation and some other company and they want to know how that wasn't a conflict of interest right this thing's snowballing fast and you can see i agree that the dnc does not want bernie sanders as the candidate why because he'll lose exactly and well let's let's hope yes let's hope so uh while we're on the race race topic you see the the super bowl uh, I did not. I'm one of the one percent American males that don't watch it. I, I watched care. it. I went to the kitchen when the okay. football was on. No, I I don't mind watching football. I just don't care who wins. Okay. I you know it's not that I don't enjoy sports. It's that it's just who cares. It's just not important to me. <laughs> right. So, uh, but uh, you know, uh, Lady Gaga did an inspirational. Uh, I didn't even know she sang. I thought she was just a dress freaky and act stupid and pound on the piano. But apparently, she's got an awesome voice and she did an inspirational. Uh, Star Spangled Banner uh, in the at the beginning, and then Beyonce came out, and it's pronounced Biace. Oh yeah, okay, Biace. So the singer's performance was a tribute to the Black Panther Party, the most anti-white, violent advocates of open carry assault weapons in modern history. Uh, Biace's uh, routine entailed dozens of backup singers dressed in Black Panther-inspired costume, a routine that ended in the dancers forming an X for Malcolm X. 
a video backdrop that showed recent uh, reenactments of Hurricane Katrina, Trayvon Martin running in graffiti that said, stop shooting us. I had to throw up. Uh, I liked what Tommy Lauren of The Blaze had to say about it. Let me play a little clip of her. Beyonce, really? What is the political message here? What is it they are trying to convey here? A salute to what? A group that used violence and intimidation to advance not racial equality, but an overthrow of white domination? The Black Panthers, for those who don't know, were critical of Martin Luther King's nonviolent civil rights movement. They didn't believe in change through peace. They promoted violence instead. So congratulations, Beyonce. You made your statement. You should be proud of yourself. The Super Bowl, the most watched event on television, a game that brings Americans of every color, background, and political party together, a game where black fans cheer next to white fans, a game where teammates work together as one regardless of race, a celebration of diversity rooted in a common bond. But forget that. These privileged Hollywood entertainment types are really something. Beyonce didn't reference the Black Panthers to bring about some kind of positive change. She did it to get attention. Good for you. You made headlines. You, just like President Obama, Jada Pickett-Smith, Al Sharpton, and so many others, just can't let America heal. Keep ripping off the historical Band-Aid. Why be a cultural leader when you can play the victim, right? Tommy Lauren is awesome. And she's too young to have all that smarts in her head. Don't know where she got it. Hey, uh, but we've been talking about the Ted Cruz birther thing yes. for, for weeks. We have. That's the one issue you and I definitely disagree about. We're going to have it out once and for all coming up on the next segment. Go, go away. Five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, and uh, commercials. And uh, and we'll come back with uh, me and Scott and two special guests. And we're going to get this out once and for all. And welcome to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you need advice on any kind of uh, real estate financing, you want to talk to someone who's got common sense or thinks like you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And I will uh, help dial you into whatever it is that you need done with real estate financing. I have two guests in the studio along with Scotty here. Uh, we have Ralph Rossum, Professor of American Constitutionalism at uh, Claremont McKenna College. Welcome to the show, Ralph. Yes, uh, thank you. I'm uh, glad to be here. As well as uh, Doug Gibbs, constitutional scholar and purveyor of the website politicalpistachio.com. Yeah, thanks for having me. Which one of you wants to go first? Well, uh, I would argue uh, that he is a natural-born citizen. I don't know if Doug, I expect, takes the other point of view. And uh, I think, uh, given that that's the weaker position, it should have the privilege of going first. Uh, the weaker position? Really, Ralph? Okay. Uh, let, let's think about this for a moment. I like this guy, right? Go ahead. <laughs> I know. Go ahead, well, Doug. Well, 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 let me say this about Ted Cruz, what yes. he said earlier that we heard. Uh, of course, he's going to have an optimistic response, because optimism is conf- it, it, it is infectious. And in order to win a campaign, you need to remain optimistic, even when all heck is breaking loose. If you are down on your campaign, your campaign will then be looked down upon. So, of course, he was, even though he was third, he was acting as if he had won. That's what that's what campaigns do. That's what politicians do. And that's a part of the game. Uh, as for whether or not he's a natural born citizen, uh, there's a number of sources available to us, number of people that have argued uh, that he would not be. And it's not necessarily as much as about where he was born as it is who was whether or not his parents were citizens at the time of birth. And a large, a lot of this goes back to the American Revolution itself. There was a uh, concern uh, over Tories uh, infiltrating the White House. You wouldn't want someone who was a loyalist to Great Britain to uh, in, in, take over the position as commander-in-chief. And also there's a 
a lot of different things that we can go to to help us understand what it is. Uh, the reason why it wasn't defined specifically in the Constitution was simply because it was common knowledge. What a natural-born citizen is was fairly common knowledge. And so we have to refer to writings of the time period to help us understand the definitions. Uh, Doug, I, I want to say one thing. Are you telling me that you're concerned that Ted Cruz is going to have some kind of inkling and leaning towards favoring Canada over the United States? Not at all, but that's not the point. The okay. point is the reasoning that was the reasoning behind their decision regarding natural born citizen. I think he's about as American as you can get, but the letter of the law, the rule of law is kind of an important thing to me and original intent. I'm not one that falls for uh, case law and the opinions of judges. So uh, as much as I do the opinions of those who wrote the law, the constitution in the first place. And one of the things that uh, they used as a reference, it does not necessarily mean that they had to follow it, but they used as a reference, uh, which is uh, shown to us by the fact that Ben Franklin owned three copies, two for the convention, one for himself, and Washington had borrowed a copy, never returned it, and it got returned back in 2010 with nearly $300,000 worth of late library fees, so what that tells us, Washington maybe never told a lie, but he didn't return library books either, uh, was Vittel's Law of Nations. Um, Vittel's Law of Nations was written by, a, well, interestingly enough, a Swiss monarchist in French, and, um, and in Vittel's Law of Nations, it explains that not only does the person have to have both parents as citizens in order to be a quote-unquote natural-born citizen, but also be born on native soil. And in fact, there is a fantastic article by a linguist uh, by the name of Andy Pryor uh, titled The Linguistic and Logical Aspects of the Term Natural-Born Citizen. And he recognized Vattel's Law of Nations as being one of those influential uh, documents when it comes to defining natural-born citizen. And also he refers to the Immigration Naturalization Act of 1790, which we can discuss because I know in 1795 there was another act and all that. But uh, according to this linguist, there is no doubt based on the language used that both parents have to be citizens at the time of birth in order for the child to be a quote-unquote natural-born citizen. Ralph, your serve. Okay, well... Um... So you can be a citizen in one of two ways. You can be a natural-born citizen or you can be naturalized. Ted Cruz has not gone through the process of naturalization. That 1790 uh, uh, Naturalization Act began, uh, that was uh, one uh, statutes at large 104 uh, in March uh, 26, 1790. Uh, it began by spelling out how you would become a naturalized citizen. And so it spells out a process. Did by it say how naturalized or natural born? It, it it talked about naturalized, how you would be a how you would become naturalized. Okay. Having done that, it then goes on and says, and the children of citizens of the United States that may be born beyond sea or out of the limits of the United States shall be considered as natural born citizens, provided that the right of citizenship shall not descend to persons whose fathers have never been resident in the United States. Um, so uh, by adding that father, not mother, father, it suggests that um, if a uh, uh, mother was not a citizen, but the father had been resident, that that person would be understood as a natural-born citizen. The Naturalization Act spells out a process by which citizens can be naturalized <laughs> It also defines what it means to be a naturalized citizen. Eight of the 11 members of the Senate committee that drafted the uh, Naturalization Act of 1790 had been members of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, those in the first Congress who passed it, 24 
there were 24 senators. Ten of the 24 senators uh, were members of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, eight of the uh, 65 members of the House had been uh, members of the Constitutional Convention. And they uh, clearly, by adopting this language, indicated that there are two kinds of citizenship, natural born, uh, where you don't go through a process of naturalization, and naturalized. And Ted Cruz has not gone through a process of naturalization. So okay. are you saying he's eligible or are you saying he's not? He is. Okay. Because- well, well, based on the language of the Immigration Naturalization Act of 1790, it says the children of citizens. First of all, that's plural. So for, first of all, we're pulling both parents into it for that definition. Second of all, uh, you are combining citizenship and natural-born citizen, and they are actually very two very different things. In fact, if you go to uh, that clause that we're referring to, um, it's very fascinating because at that point there was no such thing as natural born citizens because the country had only, well, there were, but they were all kids because the country had only been in existence in 1776. And so they had to uh, also give those that weren't natural born citizens but were citizens the opportunity to also be president. Otherwise, we would never have a president because there was no such thing as a natural born citizen that was old enough. So the language, no person except a natural born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this constitution shall be eligible for the office of president. That or tells me that they considered natural born citizen and citizen two different things. So really there's three categories. There's natural born citizen, there's citizen that was natively born or native born citizen and then there's a naturalized citizen and um and so natural born citizen to me is separate from what just being a citizen is it's something special it's something that's above that and you know once again that's important because you know we're dealing with the tories here you know we got loyalists to the british empire we don't want a tory to wind up in the white house as commander in chief and tories at the time tended to be not always but tended to be uh, children of at least one British-born parent. So the natural-born citizen requirement of both parents being citizens at the time of birth would ensure, well, at least the odds would be in the favor of a Tory not taking the office of president. Okay. Um, I, I would... Uh, so there, there you are introducing a, a third category. Um, and uh, so that third category is somebody who is a U.S. citizen because of the... A native-born uh, citizen. Well, a, a, a citizen of the United States because their parent or parents were uh, citizens. Right. And uh, so what happens if the only way... The statute spelled out that you're a natural-born citizen if you're... Uh, parents uh, were citizens of the United States and you were born abroad. Parents. But uh, the, the whole thing, it's uh, given the, the reading of the sentence, it's citizens who were born outside the United States shall be. Well, well, well th- this, it, it's everything is in the plural. Why? They would have messed up the structure and the grammar of the sentence uh, to uh, uh, make it make it specific to one parent or the other well the plurals because it took both parents but at the same time Vittel's law of nations and uh and you can go to even blackstone's commentaries as blackstone uh 
I tended to go to the older English common law, which in, uh, in which case uh, being born on, Amer- on the soil of the country also was a part of natural born citizenship. And so what they were trying to do here is enable those not born within the borders to also have that opportunity. Because, you know, you got diplomats. If you got two diplomats that are fully loyal to the country and they have a child abroad, should that child not be a natural born citizen? In the case of John McCain, obviously, he was born in a, on a military base. So well, that was American soil, though, at the time. So that, to me, doesn't really okay. play into it but the the idea here is they the founding founding fathers with the immigration naturalization act of 1790 were willing to change one part of the definition that was in Patel's law of nations being born on american soil to it's okay if they're born abroad but or outside the borders of the united states but the requirement of both parents being citizens was still required which the immigration naturalization act uh, of 1790 using plurality for citizens tells us. But also, we've had a Supreme Court justice that's also clarified this in the Minor versus Happersett case in 1875. And it, he, it, this was a case that was regarding women's rights. And so to support his argument, he was trying to show how important women were even to the founding fathers. And so in his, in um, Morrison Waite's uh, opinion of the Minor versus Happersett case, uh, he explains that well, the founding fathers to be a natural born citizen it required both parents which shows that the women were still important to the founding fathers and he was using that to support his argument regarding women's rights regarding this case okay i want to take this thing again back back to ted cruz here's a hypothetical question and you guys can run circles around me in terms of your knowledge of the constitution there's no doubt about that however Here's a hypothetical, Doug. If you think that the if the founding fathers were around today and they could look at everything that we're looking at in terms of the situation in our country, who's running, the mess we're in, and who could potentially turn that around, where are you telling me that you think they would look at Ted Cruz and say, "Sorry, you're not eligible." What's your? They're you, not here, obviously. They're you're dead, ar- but the laws are the laws. Well, I'm well, saying you're, I'm asking okay. you a question. Yeah, you're arguing an, a philosophical argument versus a legal argument. So, in other words, you're saying this is what it should be or what it ought to be because, hey, it's a good guy. But that's not the way legal terms work. Legality is it whatever's legal, that's it. If it needs to be changed, then use the legal structure to well, change Ralph, it or Ralph adopt is- or or change it or, or modify it or whatever. You know, so you know, your yours is a philosophical argument. So now to answer your question, yes, would they say, hey, I the guy should years. be? Absolutely, I think so. He's an he's about as American as anybody else. But don't just then use a philosophical argument and say, well, then he can be, because that's what the courts have been doing with our laws since day one, oh. and it's a problem. Okay. Let's go Go through the process. If it, if he really, truly should be, let's go through the process. Let's amend the Constitution, or let's pass a piece of legislation that defines it to include. You know, just one parent, if that's what you want. Okay. But let's go through the legal process. Now, wait a minute. Let's when not you, just have a philosophical When you say go argument. through the legal process, what exactly do you want Ted Cruz to do in the span of, what, a couple of months? And yeah, well, what do you I, want I him to do? I guess he'd have to wait till the next election. Well, then you? that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's what. That's, yeah. the, that's the argument. But, but so, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean we should ignore the laws because we don't have time to. This is something that should have been thought he, about. He's a good guy. Ago. Let's ignore well, the law. Uh, no, no, no. So let's, that's kind of where we are with Barack Obama. Ralph, he's a good guy. Let's not let's not look like a bunch of birds. Well, well, and let's say and let's say this real quick. With my definition, by the way, he's in Obama's ineligible by his own admission. Well, that's great. He could have been Obama's born on the, the steps of the White House, and that's why the courts won't won't uh, decide that Ted so, Cruz is not eligible because they don't want to touch Obama's situation. Uh, so your your argument is that. Um, the only way to be a natural-born citizen is for both parents to be born 
for both no, no, parents for, to be U.S. citizens right. and the person to be born in the United States. No, my argument is that both parents have to be citizens of the United States at the time of birth. It doesn't matter if they're born in the United States because, once again, our, the Immigration Naturalization Act of 1790 opens that up. Before that, it was had to have been born in the United States. But Well, but uh, it seems really uh, strange that um, you can be a natural-born citizen um, – you're not a natural-born citizen if you're born in the United States and one parent no. is a U.S. citizen. No. Um, uh, you're a citizen, just well, not a natural-born citizen. Hey, my wife was born in Mexico, and she didn't naturalize until 2007, so, so neither so one of my kids are eligible. Well, yeah, but... Uh, Even so, though she grew up here. You know, so I go back to that uh, 1790 statute, and the children of citizens of the United States that may be born at sea or out of the limits. Now, what if the sentence and read and the and a child of a citizen of the United States that may be born at sea or uh, beyond the limits of the United States shall be considered a natural born citizen. Uh, if it, you, if it were done in the in in uh the in singular rather than plural. Mm-hmm. Um that would uh obviously covered Ted Cruz. Right. The reason it doesn't is because everything that precedes it is talking about naturalization of citizens. Everything is done in the plural case. Mm-hmm. A- and um, uh, I, would, I would argue that uh, if, if you would read uh, the sentence as it would apply to an individual rather than to groups, uh, an individual, Ted Cruz, and a child, Ted Cruz, uh, a children of a citizen of the United States, his mother, born... Outside the limits of the United States, she'll be considered a natural-born citizen. Uh, I, I, I think if you read it in that context, it, it clearly covers Cruz. Absolutely not, because citizens in the plurality was used on purpose, and it supports Vitell's Law of Nations. It supports other legal documents and attitudes of the time. Well, and, uh, and but, once again, but relying once on, again, think relying about on it. a Swiss monarch to uh, inform. Well, uh, I agree. Well, 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 yeah. well, well, understand that book was written to bring together, you know, Western legalities that were shared by the Western countries, and it doesn't but, mean that but, they but had that, to go was, by that. That was but not it's a the great def- defi- well, well, that was not the definition this. of uh, British citizen. A bit, what it meant to be a, a, a subject, a natural born subject. Well, yeah, but how often the, was that changing? The original was that the person had to be born on British soil, and even Blackstone uh, made that reference. Uh, in the decades before the American Revolution, the British Parliament had repeatedly expanded the meaning of natural born by statute, eventually including even born uh, children born of British parents on foreign soil. Now, Sir William Blackstone, the leading 18th century English legal authority, used the past tense in 1765 when describing the more restrictive common law meaning of natural born, which was born on British soil, So, and both parents. So... Even Blackstone tended to go back to the older definitions and felt that that was more important than the rapidly changing definitions that were going on prior to the American Revolution. Well, uh, so uh, Blackstone played a major influence, obviously, but um, we have the Congress giving a definition of what natural born means. Mm -hmm. And um, reading it the way I did, and a child of a citizen of the United States... Um, uh, if you get rid of all the plurals, uh, you you get that sentence to apply perfectly to uh, somebody who has a uh, parent who's a citizen of the United States. They're living abroad at the time the child is born. That child 
is a, a natural-born citizen. Well, being in the mortgage business and having to to abide by the by the laws of Fannie Mae and FHA and VA, and said, had we just taken out the S's in the sentence, and you'd qualify for the loan, but it says it says and it doesn't say or it said and this is argued all the time. So I say, if we take out all the plurals. If they had taken out all the plurals, then it would be a different law. Laws are words. What else? What else? How else do you read that? Well, Doug. Okay, I do want to like throw one other. Because this one, I'll tell you, this is what I'm looking for. Every time I've asked someone, you know, you have Judge Napolitano on Fox say, "Hey, there's a statute 100 years ago that that cleared this up." Okay, what statute was that? Because I'm perfectly fine with Ted Cruz. If that's the law, tell me. If if all the laws say that he shouldn't, but the fact that we let Barack Obama be a president supersedes that, then somebody just tell me that that's the law now. I'll I'll accept it. But so far, there's a law that I've known for 54 years and that you had to be born here. Okay, you apparently don't have to be born here from what I see. I'm looking for the thing that says, hey, if you're born in Canada, how can you be president? And the stuff that I'm seeing written says you can be if both citizens were if both parents were citizens at the time, and everybody who's arguing that well, says, well, this is what they meant by that back then. Well, it's not what they wrote. It's what you can't say what they meant back then. It's what they wrote. You can only interpret the words that they wrote. Yeah, the, the biggest concern at the time was divided loyalties. Once again, right, I know I, Scott I says, "Well, yeah, but you know, do you think Ted well, Cruz that's isn't going to favor Canada?" That's the philosophical States. argument. Fine. I'm talking about the legal argument. Okay, and their concern was divided loyalty. And so now you're asking, okay, well, why wouldn't they, or why didn't they mean one child? Well, once again, going back to the Tories, a child born on American soil with one parent as an Amer- as an American and the other ch- parent of British birth. Likely that person was a Tory and had their loyalties to the crown. So it had to be guarded against. Okay, there's one thing that's important that I want to bring up to both of you. There's two reasons to care about this issue. One is if you are a hardcore constitutional person and this is your belief of what Mm -hmm. the constitution says the second and possibly more important reason to care about this is that the democrat party could actually put out a lawsuit that would stop ted cruz the candidate or ted cruz the president now is that a realistic option and that won't happen and here's why number one it's already been challenged in both illinois and new hampshire and they almost immediately decided he was eligible hmm. by their own decisions. Okay. They, and and the reason why, and I was, once again, I was asked this on Unite IE right here on 590 AM last week, exact same thing, is the courts and those who would question this that are on the, quote, other side, quote, unquote, they don't want to touch it because they do not want to open the Pandora's box that involves Obama's yeah, but Obama's on his way out. What do they even care? The legacy, Democrats man. are snaky people. They're all man. about legacy and this and that. He's their it's... messiah. They don't want him looking bad in any way, But they're going to say he's born in Hawaii and this is a non-issue. That's what they're going to argue. Well, th- th- he still has, well, it goes back to both He still parents, has first one, of all. one uh, non-citizen parent. And, and, by his own, and by his own mission. Okay, Ralph, I'd like I'd like to have you answer that same question. Can the Democrats actually mount a serious legal challenge against either Ted Cruz the candidate or Ted Cruz the president? Uh, first of all, um, they would have to demonstrate standing. They would have to show particularized harm or injury that they suffered distinct from the citizenry generally by having a president or a candidate who does not conform to the requirements of a natural-born citizen. Uh, that's an impossible burden to 
uh, to overcome. Yeah, except the, the Democrats seem to get everything they want. Well, but the way, the way they could do it is some Democratic Secretary of State could refuse to uh, allow um, Cruz's name on the ballot because not a natural-born citizen. Then Cruz would clearly have suffered an injury. He would have standing to challenge the refusal to seat him, or to, to put him on the ballot. And I don't think anybody's done that, though, have they? No, uh, but, but that, that, that's how they could do it if they'd want to. And uh, it, it may well be for the reasons Doug mentioned, that they have no interest in going down that well, road. Like I said, it has been challenged in two states at this point, in Illinois and New Hampshire. And, I mean, almost immediately, no, he's eligible because they don't want to touch it. Well, they're saying he's eligible. Obviously, Doug, you're not. So uh, I hopefully you would vote for him if he was the candidate. Well, uh, here's what I've been telling people. I'm not stupid. I know what the other side has in its destruction. And we have a better chance of saving the Constitution with this guy. So for the first time in my life, I would vote against the Constitution to save the Constitution. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> no, and, no, and again, nobody argued that. I said the same thing. Well, and I'd say the good news I like is, Ted Cruz. if this is an issue, it's the good news is let's hash it out now. You know, let let Donald Trump make his his, his play or whatever. Let's see where that goes rather than have this being brought up later on. You're right. But if we hash it out uh, now, so far, I'm seeing Ted Cruz loses. And well, we're not, so we're not going to hash that. And, and, and by the way, because with my definition, where both parents have to be citizens at the time of birth, that also knocks Rubio and, and Jindal, who... All right, so, know, well, Jindal's out, out so. anyways. <laughs> All right. I heard that. Well, it looks like this is settled, and it uh, looks like Ralph and I win. I think that's pretty <laughs> much looks settled. Like he's ineligible, but I will still vote for All him right. if he got it. And that's, and that's my position as well. I... So uh, Doug's argument is basically the, the line of Lincoln during his uh, address before the special session of Congress in July of 1861. Uh, are all the laws but one to go unexecuted and the Constitution itself to go to pieces, at least that one be violated? Um, I'm going to have to replay that. I was going to say, I, I just you just lost me, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's an interesting quote. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm working on a book about Lincoln, so... I like Lincoln. Whatever he said is okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. All, All right. right. So, so guys, uh, I, I had kind of predicted we would have to agree to disagree on this one. And we all we all agree that we want the best for what this country is. And I think Ted Cruz will be will will be a great candidate if he if he gets the nomination. I think he'll be a great president. But I just have a have an issue with is he legal or is not. Okay, Scotty, I guess we're agreeing to disagree. Yeah, exactly. Well, as always, I'm right. So there you go, Ed. Uh, <laughs> you're a legend in your own mind. And, and really, in fact, I'm right. But uh, th- <laughs> hey, Scott, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming in and uh, helping referee these two guys. Ed, it's always fun. And uh, everyone, uh, keep listening. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.